Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. And welcome to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. As always, just a friendly reminder, Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast. But if you want to do something nice, you want to help us out, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at Snapshots in Hockey History and on Facebook at Snapshots in. Whoa, whoa, wait a second, Brett. I thought you just said every Monday. It's Friday. Why is this coming out? And hold on a minute. Wait a second. You always have former NHL players. Who's Doug Heinzer? I'll answer both those for you. This is an early release. There will be no episode next week. It's my wife's birthday. If you're married, you'll know what I'm going through. When the wife says you're not bringing your laptop to record and upload an episode, the bottom line is you're not bringing your laptop to record an episode. You guys know how that is. As far as Doug Heinzer... You guys need to know who this guy is. I'm so excited that Doug came to join us. Doug is just like every one of us, a huge hockey fan. The only difference is he's in his first year of owning his own professional hockey team. Doug is a partial owner of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits that play in the East Coast Hockey League, or excuse me, the ECHL. Back in my day, it was East Coast Hockey League. Now it's just the ECHL. And he was gracious enough to come on the show and tell us about what it's like to be a first-year owner. And we're going to do a little bit of a series with him. I was going to call it a bonus episode kind of thing, but I think instead I'm just going to release it as him and I talk. And throughout the year, we're going to just chat and talk about the triumphs, the tribulations, the difficulties, the heartaches, the pains, the victories of being a minor league owner in a non-traditional market. And in this first interview, we talk about a lot of stuff that I've always wondered as a guy looking from the outside in. How do you find an affiliate? What makes a good affiliate? Who you talk to, who you discuss. He he gets into some great stuff. We talk about their affiliates, of course, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers, how players are paid when they're on an NHL contract and sent down to the ECHL. Lots of good stuff. So I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I think you will too. And as I said, we're going to kind of uh, follow Doug throughout the year and he's going to give us an update as things go by. So this will definitely not be the first time that we talk to him. So throughout the season, if things come up, please feel free to email me, tweet me, Facebook me, whatever. If you have questions for Doug, we'll make sure he comes on, he answers them. And this is really meant to be a really interactive thing. I just thought it'd be cool to have an owner who's open to doing something like this. I know several listeners have reached out and asked that I do a little bit more with minor league hockey. So this is the first attempt to kind of dip the toe in the water per se and see what everyone thinks, see what everyone see how everyone feels about it. And if it goes well, and from the first interview, it absolutely did. We'll do a little bit more minor league hockey stuff. So with all that said, next week when we come back, next Monday, not this coming Monday, we'll get back to our regular format of interviewing a former NHL player about a period in time of his career. And then every so often I'll upload uh, an interview with Doug and, and we'll talk about it. And please let me know what you think. I'm really, really curious to get some feedback and to see if people have questions for Doug. He's a great guy. And um, the Swamp Rabbits, we're going to kind of follow them throughout the year and see what it's like to own a hockey team because none of us probably have ever done that. I know I have 
haven't. Maybe one or two listeners have. I don't know. And if that goes well, then we'll try to do a couple more things. Maybe we'll try to get a CHL team or an AHL team, something like that. So um, I'm going to cut to the interview with Doug. Here it is. Please enjoy it. And I'll catch everyone on the flip side. You get into the business. It looks like you spent some time in Canada. You're working in the oil industry. How does one decide to own a hockey team? It's not something really an everyday occupation. No, probably not, Brett. I, you know, my wife and I were looking to pivot really more than retire. And uh, we were in oil and gas. I'd been in oil and gas for over 30 years. We're kind of trying to decide where we want to go, what we want to do. And my, my son talked me into getting into a little business in, in Greenville, South Carolina. And we were a little bit familiar with the area from being over there a couple other times and knew, knew we kind of liked the area. And, you know, we're going over there trying to get the business set up. And I made the, I often joke, I made the mistake of going to a hockey game because I, <laughs> I love hockey. And I go, in, I go into this arena and I was, as is often the case with the town of Greenville, I don't, don't know if you've ever been to Greenville, but it is a great little town halfway between Atlanta and Charlotte. And, you know, the, the city, the facilities, you know, the, the venues are just all fantastic, much better than you'd expect for the size town it is. And I'm sitting there in this arena, having been to many NHL games and, and some AHL games, and was really impressed and surprised. So you've actually never been to an ECHL game, and here you are now getting ready for opening night, and your first ECHL game that you're going to see is the one of the team that you own. Well, almost. So, so this was last season. I was working okay. on that, and I and I was and I was traveling, uh, like I said, to Greenville and sitting there in the arena. And I really, I literally started googling. You know, how much could a minor league hockey team cost? H- how would one go about getting involved in a minor league hockey team? A great question. And, yeah. So I started googling it, and you know, I. Pretty quickly came to the ownership group. It had just changed hands not very many months before, but I also pretty quickly came to um, my friends at the sports advisory group that broker a lot of these transactions, and they do a great job. And uh, they happened to have brokered that transaction, and I touched base with them shortly after. And uh, they, you know, communicated to me what I learned from Google that um, it had changed hands. But you know, we kind of committed to stay in contact and um and they those folks started showing me some other teams and whatnot but you know there there was never anywhere that i had a reason to go otherwise it would have been some sort of random place and i just wasn't uh, ready to do that and then lo and behold uh the ownership group was looking to make some changes and they they said hey i think there may be a, a shot here so we started working on it and a few months later i'm like you say, I'm managing partner and, and have since become CEO of the team. So, yeah, I, it, it's been a trial by fire. So what have been the biggest challenges for you as a guy that really, I mean, you have a passion for hockey, but you don't really have a background in the game. I'm assuming I mean, maybe you played when you were younger, but what have been the biggest challenges for you kind of as, a, as an upstart owner? Well, I would say um, getting... You know, it's one thing if I were if I'd been living in Greenville for the last 20 years and I knew all the business leaders and city leaders um, and whatnot, then that would be one thing. But I was new to the town as well. Oh, man. And so 
you know, and, and you really have to establish yourself as somebody that, you know, is community minded um, and, and, you know, has the capability of, of leading the team in order to, you know, basically win them over so that they support you because, uh, you know, it's a challenge. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky too. I mean, there's some, you know, some great people around me. Um, we have a, a talented staff. Um, there's challenges with respect to, you know, holes to fill. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's minor league sports and probably more so than I understood. Um, it's naturally a bit of an uphill climb. And so, you know, you've got people that are playing, you know, lots of different roles and, and, you know, there's turnover and, you know, and you may or may not control the arena. You may or may not control the concessions and, and, and those kinds of things. But, hey, I tell you what, it's a lot of fun. So, you know. Well, at least you're doing something you enjoy. And, and Greenville was kind of in a unique situation when you came on board. Ownership had just kind of turned over. I believe it was the former Rochester Americans owner, Steve Donner. He ended up mm -hmm. uh, purchasing the team and, and wanted to keep yep. it in Greenville. But yep. the, the team was affiliated with the Rangers and then last year went independent. And now this year's uh, uh, affiliated with Carolina. How does a, a, an affiliation with an NHL team even uh, for people like me that have never even been around that? How does that even go down? Do, do, is it like QVC? You just you call the, the phone book and whoever's got a, an affiliation we <laughs> hook up with. I mean, how does that work? Uh, well, you know, there there are it's interesting um, because there are. A number of changes at that level. These these aren't affiliations like you see in baseball that that stay for a long time. And some of them do. I mean, the Florida Everglades were uh, connected because there was a common ownership level with the Carolina franchise, regardless of where it was for I think 21 years. But oftentimes they sort of change over. So when there's when there's you know openings on either side, that's when you know people start to talk and and. I'm fortunate in that, you know, Steve has been around the game at the NHL level, the AHL level, the ECHL level. And so he knows a lot of people and and really he deserves, you know, the lion's share of, of the credit for putting the affiliation together. Um, and, but it was it was fun. It's fun doing that. And, and it's a big win for our fans. Our fans are really excited. It's not just an affiliation, but it's a regional affiliation that, you know, we're an hour and 45 minutes from Charlotte, so our fans are excited about being able to watch players move up and down the system. And, uh, and so that's exciting and certainly going to help our product on the ice. As you pointed out, we were unaffiliated last year, uh, and now this year we actually um, are working with two clubs. One of the things that, that people don't realize in our league is that you can work with multiple um, organizations and uh, the, uh, the the Panthers organization had contacted us as well, and they certainly understood and were very supportive of us um, trying to close our deal with Carolina, given the regional uh, aspect. But um, they volunteered to work with us in a secondary role, and so we'll be we'll be uh, putting players from both organizations out on the ice. So we went from having no affiliate last year to uh, being able to have affiliations with both organizations this year we'll have you know we'll start the year with two nhl drafted goaltenders um we're, we're getting some real talent and training camp started sunday these guys look great sharp young men so it's really getting fun so 
On the affiliate side, off the bat, without question, something that's got to be a positive. You mentioned you have two of them, and you're starting with two NHL draft picks in goal, which is when I think of the Coast League or the ECHL, I know it's not the Coast League anymore. I always look at the goalies because, I mean, you look at Braden Holpe. He came through the ECHL. Michael Neuver, so many guys as goalies started. Jonathan Quick. uh, uh, Jonathan Quick, another one. What else, though, makes a good affiliate? What makes a good partner at at this level? I I think it's around communication. I think our coach would tell you, um, and I want to plug our coach. We have a great coach that was down in Macon in the SBHL before last season. His name's Kevin Kerr. I think it's I think it's communication. I think it's you know the 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 back and forth uh, that's primarily at the coaching level between the AHL coach and the um, and, and our coach, but also with the you know the GM of the AHL um, club, which is usually an assistant GM at the NHL level. Um, you know, just communication around. Hey, what do you think about this guy and that guy and you know, with respect to, you know, even if it's an easy, a guy on an ECHL contract, you know, what do you think of him? You know, it's just another set of eyes, you know, another set of experiences and perspectives that they have with these guys. Um, and and I, I think that's an awful lot of it. We've got these two ECHL goaltenders, and I want to touch on them, but we have to talk about Kevin Kerr, a minor league legend. <laughs> you know, you know about Kevin Kerr. Why is Kevin such a strong asset? Guy never played in the NHL, but he's so well respected. He's what makes him the guy to lead your organization? You know, he thinks and breathes and bleeds hockey twenty four seven. And I mean, you want to talk about a guy who would do anything for the game. Um, he would do anything for the, I was having this conversation with him last night, you know, talking about his objectives. Um, and you know, he just, he feels so fortunate to be in the game. Um, and you know, he knows the game. He he's, you know, his hockey IQ is off the chart. Um, and, and I say that as if, you know, I can judge hockey IQ. I, all I know is, is, you know, exponentially more than mine. Um, but you know, he just, he just has passion. He has passion. He, he has, you know, experience but and everything else. But I, I think it's really the passion, Brett. 20 years playing in the minor leagues, I'm sure he sat on plenty of long overnight bus rides. So for him to want to continue to do that later in life, no question about it, he has got to have a love for the game. No oh, and question. These guys, and these guys, you know, and I, I told him this, these guys at, at – you know, the coaches and assistant coaches at our level, they're doing a whole lot more than coaching X's, X's and O's on, you know, on a whiteboard. I mean, these guys are working through details around the players' apartments and the logistics and apparel and community engagement. And, I mean, you name it. I mean, it's director of hockey operations, but it's really all things hockey operations. You talked about player engagement, and that's interesting, because when I think of the National Hockey League teams, I almost feel like the teams, I don't want to say keep the players away from the fans, because that's not it. They're selling the players by far, but there's definitely a separation. At the ECHL level, is it like that, or, or do people, these fans that go in every night, do they have the opportunity to mingle with the players throughout the season? Well, they do. Um, you know, and it's different. It, it's probably different in Toledo than it is in Greenville. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're a non-traditional hockey market, obviously. Uh, but our players, and, and, and Steve tells me, I don't have the experience of knowing the team the year before that. 
But Steve tells me that, um, you know, the players this past season were, were just, you know, step change different in terms of getting on the ice. For example, on Sunday afternoons after our Sunday games, we have a family skate. The players get on the ice with the, you know, with the fans. Um, and again, like I said, I, I've met most of these guys. Some of them been trickling in that I haven't met yet. But, um, you know, they're just top-notch folks. I mean, it's just it's one of the great things about hockey. Um, they're just, there's a lot of good people in hockey. So, um, but no, they, they do mix and mingle. Um, but you know, they admittedly, they have a smaller fan base in Greenville. We're looking to change that obviously, as we grow our profile and we get more really entrenched in the community. Um, we have to, we know we're never going to have enough pure rabid hockey fans to, to be successful in Greenville. We have, it's really about hockey but it's also about you know family entertainment sure. and, and the value proposition that we're that we're putting on the ice and we're putting in the arena and the show that we're creating and the experiences and the memories that we're creating with with that show one thing that i love about minor league hockey is the ticket price most expensive ticket right against the glass what are you guys charging Oh gosh, you'd, you'd ask me that right off the top. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I mean, you know, you do. Um, it's so cheap. He doesn't even know, ladies and gentlemen. There's no reason not to go to a game. <laughs> he's basically giving them away, is what he's saying. <laughs> it, you know, I'll tell you one. The, the number that always just blows my mind, and I, I tell people, you know what, we're going to win, and we're going to have to raise this price. Our family four pack is four lower bowl tickets, four hot dogs, and four soft drinks. For $60. 60 bucks. Where can you get $20 dinner and entertainment anywhere? Only in the ECHL. Only in the ECHL. You talked about these two goaltenders that you have that are both NHL draft picks. Can you tell me a little bit about them and kind of what your expectations are from them throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got, you know, right now um, we have a couple more coming in. I'll um, I'll stay away from uh, from too much uh, specifics, but I mean, you know, these guys are are guys that we think will just really keep us keep us in games when, you know, that that tough when you really need to save mm-hmm. and, you're, mm-hmm. and you're really, you know, you got to withstand that push from the other team. Um, you know, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for guys that position well and, and really. And again, this gets back to our relationship with the affiliates. You know, you know, what does each player need to work on? And that's another thing that I think uh, Kevin's really keyed in on is, is you know, what what does each guy need to work on across the goaltenders or the skaters or, you know, what have you? I mean, it's it's going to vary. When you talk about the relationship with the parent club, and I, I'm just kind of curious, is each agreement different? Are they responsible for saying, hey, look, we're going to provide you with X amount of players. We're going to cover the room and board for these guys. Anybody else is on you. Is each team different? How does that, and then you don't have to get specifics in your deal. I'm just kind of curious generally how that works. Yeah, there's a basic template and uh, that, that the, the leagues have, Uh, we started with the ECHL template and you know, it's then negotiable. I mean, it's back and forth, but we try to rely on and, and really use that, you know, from the standpoint of if, if somebody's wanting to do something that's really unordinary, um, we kind of fall back on, well, per, you know, more standard uh, practice is to, is to use this template because that's what the other teams are using. But, you know, there's a certain number of, of sticks that, you know, they'll come with, um, skates, all that stuff spelled out. In terms of pay, um, you know, we, we pay a certain amount. 
we pay um, really on the our portion of that is on the lower end of of the pay range of what we pay a player and the difference of between that and what they're making on their salary is made up by the affiliated club. Oh, I didn't even realize you guys split it. I thought it was something where if they were signed to a contract, they almost loaned the player and covered the salary. I had no idea you guys split it. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so, you know, if again, between um, their contract that the player's on and, and what we would normally pay, that difference is made up by the affiliate. One thing you did mention is you talked about skates and equipment. I had never even really thought about that. You've got to stock an entire hockey team, and you're responsible for all of their equipment. Is that right? That's right. And again, those affiliated players are going to come with skates. Um, so, you know, we look at the affiliate agreement, and we have to think about, okay, is this, is this actually, you know, we, we're, we're pretty confident it's going to help us on the ice. Now, what's the financial consequence of this? And, and, you know, when <laughs> it, it, it's been an eye-opener for me. I mean, you know, we're putting players up in lodging. And we have to look at, okay, are, are they married? Do they need a two-bedroom? Is it one-bedroom? I mean, you know. <laughs> no, are we going to, can we get the 20-year-old in the Motel 6, or does he have two kids, and we've got to put him in a house? That's a great observation that I would have never thought about. <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough gig. You don't have to be you don't have to be rich to own a minor league hockey team. You just can't be very smart. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. I talked to one guy, I'll never forget. He told me he says it's an expensive hobby, my hobby that I'll never make a dollar off of. Yeah. But hopefully you'll be able to turn that around in Greenville. Let's talk a little bit about the ECHL. I remember it when I was young when it was five teams and it was the East Coast League. And now it is truly the double A level of hockey in the United States. How much interaction have you had with the league? Well, um, our commissioner, I don't know if you ever come across Ryan Creelan, but he's awesome and he's got a great staff and they're very helpful. I mean, I was talking to Ryan this morning. I talked to Ryan not every week, but, um, you know, sometimes multiple times a week. And, um, you know, um, so a fair amount of, of interaction with him, Brett. You know, there's a summer league meeting um, that the governor and alternate governor of each team can go to. So teams will send one or two people to them. And and then there's a, a preseason meeting. So we just got back from Tampa. We had our preseason meeting um, in Tampa a week or so ago. But it was fun. The, the summer meeting, and I was just getting involved, and we were working on the affiliation agreement. We were in Vegas at the same time that the NHL awards were going on. And we, again, we were working on our affiliation agreements. So we were able to meet with Don Waddell and talk a little bit about the affiliation agreement. And I came home and told my wife, okay, you know, just, I'm done. You know, I can die now. I've, I've, I've had a glass of wine with a GM from the NHL. You know, <laughs> if you do nothing else, I mean, that's awesome. And what a legendary GM of all people to, to, to chat with. And what was talked about in that conversation? Can you share us with a little bit? Well, you know, we, we were talking about, and again, you know, even at, I was impressed with even at that level, you know, the, the level of the detail that, that Don, you know, was interested in and, and aware of, you know, with respect to how the affiliation agreement would work and, um, you know, was really impressive. I mean, he, he's a super guy. And it, again, it was just a, an honor and a thrill for me. And, um, um, you know, it's really cool. But I mean, he, he's, he's into the, you know, the nuts and bolts of it. It's, it's, a, it's tough. I mean, he's in a non-traditional market too. A non-traditional market with really a non-traditional owner. Nothing against Thomas Dundan, but he is not 
the typical guy that owns an NHL team, he seems. And, and, and no, and to your point, um, you know, that was really very fresh. So there were a lot of things going on in terms of, you know, exactly what was going to happen to staffing. And so all that was going on and, um, you know. It's, it's, it's different. And, and just for the record, your ownership group has no ties with an NHL club from an ownership perspective. You are That's not correct. owned by a club, correct? That's correct. So that in itself creates, I'm sure, some disadvantages or also probably advantages. And I, and I am curious, uh, Neil Smith was involved with the organization. Is he still there or has he moved on to something new? He, he's still in Greenville. And um, in fact, you know, we had a, a fan fest uh, where, you know, kind of bringing in the new season and talking to the um, fans about our um, affiliation. And we brought Neil and his lovely wife, Margaret, and I introduced them as because we're celebrating our, our 10th anniversary season coming up. And really, he's the guy that brought hockey back to Greenville after, I think, a four year hiatus after the growl closed the doors. The growl had come in 98, 99 season, I believe. You can Google check me after this. And um, and right as the arena opened and they had all kinds of, uh, you know, they had very high attendance, but they but they uh, lost their attendance uh, pretty quickly. And I don't know, a few years later, 2004 ish, they, they closed their doors. And then um, Neil brought the team back in the 2009, 2010 season, I believe. You are correct. After a four year absence, he brought down yeah. the Johnstown Chiefs. He renamed the team the Road Warriors and had the team for a few years. And then Fred, the Fred Festa group bought it, kept the name for a little while and turned and then uh, changed the name later to the Swamp Rabbits. But so, Neil, to answer your original question, Neil is in town. He's a great resource. He's just a super guy. Uh, he and I grab lunch every now and then. And of course, he's known me and Steve have known each other a long time. So it's great having him here. What kind of festivities, what kind of excitement, what can fans expect from an ECHL team with the home opener right around the corner? Well, you know, we're in the middle right now, Brad, of what we call 30 Days of Hope. Um, the 30 days leading up to our home opener on October 18th, we've been out in the community every day. That'll continue all the way up until the 18th. Um, you know, we kicked it off in the neonatal care unit of the hospital. We had our mascot stomper there. And um, which, by the way, people should go to swamprabbits.com and check out our logo. It's very popular. Buy some merchandise. Help us out. But uh, we had a great, uh, great set of merchandise, but also a great um, mascot. And we'll be continuing to do that in the community um, all the way up until the 18th. And then after that, our, our commitment is, you know, two to three times a week. We want to be out in the community. We're already starting to get out now with the players now that most of the players are in town. Um, you know, we're even when the players can't get out, they're sending cards to, you know, children's hospitals and stuff like that. It was just, it's easy to do if, you know, as a, and this is why, you know, Steve had the vision of, of having local ownership. It's easy to do when you're a local owner. It's, it's, it's probably something you don't get around to as much when you're living in some other state someplace. But when you live here and you enjoy living here, you know, it's just natural to get really engaged in the community. And so we've always done it. I, I don't want to suggest that prior ownership or, you know, in prior seasons, we, we weren't out in the community. We certainly were, and we provided tickets to 
nonprofits and whatnot. But um, I would say we're, we're, we're really amping that up. And, and that's because now there's a couple of us here that live here at the ownership level. And, and there's just, frankly, more time, you know, to get involved and do it. It's very time consuming, but it's, it's quite worthwhile. Well, that's awesome. So you're going to come back. We're going to have you back. And maybe we'll get back into some of the players, some of the decisions, some of the systems, things like that. In the meantime, uh, check out w check out the Swamp Rabbits website. What is it again? Is it www.swamprabbits.com? Yep. I want to thank Doug Heinzer for coming on again, swamprabbits.com. Can't believe how much work they're doing in the community. And it makes sense, especially in a non-traditional market, because you really have got to almost educate people in the, on the game and what they're watching and why they want to support it and why they want to show up every week to buy tickets. So interesting hearing the struggles. The part that I really enjoyed the most, though, was hearing about the affiliate and hearing about Don Waddell and how kind of all that goes down and and what makes a good affiliate and what isn't because that's stuff I I never knew. So I found that very, very useful. And like I said, we'll have Doug back on again. So if you have questions, tweet me, uh, hit me on Facebook, Snapshots in Hockey History and on Twitter at Snapshots in. Once again, thanks. I saw some people left some reviews. Um, Please, please, please. Thank you. I cannot Thank you guys enough for that. It really, really helps spread the word of the pod. Um, As I said, this is it for this week. I'm not going to do an episode Monday morning. The following Monday, we'll be back regularly scheduled. We've got some good ones coming up. We've got an NHL, former NHL GM. I've got an interview lined up with a former NHL coach. So definitely starting to expand and and broaden out. And that's thanks to you guys, because the more listeners and the more feedback I've gotten, the more I've been able to get in front of some different guests. And we'll also are going to have a lot of your old favorites back as well. So that's it. Have a great great weekend and I will talk to you. Hopefully everyone gets to watch some hockey. I haven't even addressed this. I have yet to watch one single NHL game yet this season. So hopefully while I'm away with my wife this weekend, I'll have the opportunity to do that. Wait, you guys that are married, no, that's probably not going to happen. So hopefully next week, I'll finally get to watch some NHL hockey. In the meantime, have a great weekend and a great week next week. We'll see you for another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History. (laughs) 